Glad you're with us this morning, and what a great day it is to be together, and realize this is the last sermon of the year you have to hear. Some of you are really glad about that, probably. Today we have a great crowd, obviously just one service today. I hear last week we were out of town, and then last week there were even more people here, and some of you have told me there were more people because we were out of town, but we're back. So it was great. We were in Albuquerque with our uh, son, son-in-law and daughter and with our son-in-law where he preaches at the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, and that was great to hear him, but it is also great to be back with you today. And today we're talking about, it seems like it would be appropriate, of finishing strong, the importance of finishing in these last few hours strong. One of the, one of the great things about God is that we can always come back to God, and today, if you need to come back to Him or you need to start the walk with Him, today's the day to do that. We want to be stronger today because we have been here this morning. Wherever you are on your walk or your race with the Lord, we want to be better than what we were whenever we walked in today. Now, I also understand you are a little bit of a difficult crowd today. Some of you, because you have your kids with you, and others of us, we have not done anything for days, and you have been sitting just watching football and eating, and now let's get engaged and think about the Lord and all the good things that he gives us. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1, the Bible says, Come everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. I like this little verse. There's more to it, but I love the way it begins. Come everyone who is thirsty. And who's not thirsty, right? Everyone at some point, and obviously he's not talking about just water, but he's talking about this need, this desire that we have for something better. Come everyone. And Isaiah chapter 55 is what we're going to look at mostly today. But in 54, what he was talking about in that passage, a long chapter, was saying, you can come to the Lord. He was telling, God was telling Israel that there is hope, there is forgiveness, there is a place for you with me. Come and follow me. And then finally we get to chapter 55 where he says this beautiful verse, come, everyone, not just all of Israel, but everyone throughout the world, all of us in this room, all of those watching online, come, all of you who is thirsty, and I will give you drink. And so today, obviously, the question that we think about is, are you thirsty for something better in life? And most of us are wanting to improve our life in some way. Literally, just today, in about a three minutes of looking at Facebook, I saw two different friends who, who wrote on Facebook, not from here, from other places, saying, we're moving, I got a better job. That idea that everyone wants something better, right? We look for a better job. We want better scores on tests. We want to we find someone in life that we think will fulfill us. Whatever it is, we're always looking for something that we think will make us better, give us more pleasure, more, more money, whatever it is. And so all of us want something better. And obviously, as we sit here this morning in a spiritual environment... Are you wanting something better than what you have right now? Some of us, we go to work, we watch ball games on TV, we go to ball games, we watch movies, we have binge watched about everything you can imagine, on whether it's on Netflix or on, on Prime or Paramount or whatever, and it's not cutting it, is it? It's not quite giving us what we thought it would. Some of us have the dream job, it's not quite it, is it? 
There is something that is lacking. And let me tell you today, today, it is Jesus. Jesus is that thing. And you say, well, I go to church. No, I'm talking about getting serious about your faith. I'm talking about not just reading and memorizing facts about Jesus or facts about the kings or facts about the judges. I'm talking about coming to know Jesus and serving other people in his name. When we come to that kind of a relationship, then we don't want anything else. It fulfills us if we have that job that Gabriel and Jeff talked about or if we lose that job that Gabriel and Jeff talked about. Whatever it is, that's where it is. That's the life that we're looking for, that God offers what we're looking for. It is in Him. Today I have a little illustration for you over here. and If I can get through the Christmas trees and poinsettias. And uh, think over here, for example, some of you have been offered life. And you have been offered Christianity. And oh, it seemed like it was so good. And today, some of you are... <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing the ornaments losing, losing my stuff. Some of you have, have come to Christ. You heard, this is what you were offered. This is what you wanted. And so preachers like me get up and we preach and we talk about coming to Christ. And you go, and you go yeah, that's what I want. Or what I wanted. But if you knew how I was treated... If you knew how people gossiped about me, if you knew the way that I have been hurt by religion in the name of Jesus, quite frankly, I want nothing to do with your faith. There may be some of you here this morning that think that. And let me tell you, the problem is not in God. The problem is not in God's Word. What happened was your life has been muddied up because what you were offered was not the pure living water of Jesus, but you were offered muddy water. This is not Jesus. This is humans getting in the way of Jesus. And some of you are rejecting Jesus and rejecting the church and rejecting faith because you think this is faith. And then some of you, maybe there was something better that came along and, and it looked better. And oh, you said, wow, this is it. I mean, it even looks better. It's even a better little container here. And this is what I want. It's pure. And someone maybe offered you this, and this was religion to you. And it all looked great. But you didn't understand that what you were also being offered was something that was poison. And while it may have looked beautiful and shiny, it was toxic. And you have been living in a place with a toxic religion. And it's not good. If you were to drink this, you'd die. But people have offered this to you. And now you're saying, I don't want anything to do with religion. Because if this is Jesus, then I don't want him. If this is the church, then I don't want it. If this is faith, take it away from me. Well, let me tell you, this is not Jesus. This is toxic, this is poison, this is people claiming in the name of Jesus to be him or to offer him, and that is not what he is. Instead, Jesus is just pure, living water. There are no toxicities in him. There is no mud in Jesus. All there is is what's perfect. 
And all the way back there in Isaiah, God says, the Father says, if you want what's good, come to me. If you are thirsty, come to me. And you'll remember then Jesus over in the New Testament. It's not on your screen, but in the New Testament, he sees a woman that's at the well. Do you remember that in John 4? And he tells her to come to him that he can give her living water. That's what Jesus gives us. He gives us what is pure, not what's muddy, not what's poison, but Jesus gives us what is pure. And so that's where we're trying to be and what we want. I want you to see in Isaiah 57, in verses 6 and 7, as this passage goes on, this is what God says. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will freely forgive. Do you hear that? This is what God does. Sometimes when we look at the God of the Old Testament, sometimes we see, we see someone that makes us want to shake, and of course God is more powerful than anything, and we can understand some shaking with God, but I want you to see who our Father is. Our Father is the one who says, I'll forgive you. But do you know what, I, what I've done? He says, I'll forgive you. But can you imagine? He goes, oh, no, I can imagine. I was there when you did it. It made me sick too. But do you know how I'm living? He goes, I do know. And I will forgive. You can come back. You can come back. You can be with me again. You can do that. And so what, is, what does all this mean? What is he saying? Well, to start this road, it is basically admit your sin and admit your struggles and your temptations in order to access freedom. Until we admit that we have a problem, it is really hard to fix a problem. Until I admit that I am a sinner that is full of sin and struggle and temptation, it is really hard to get over those sins and those struggles and temptations. Until I confess those things and say, I've got an issue. And I'm not saying you have to tell everybody in the audience that. I'm talking about you talking to God and maybe talking to other people, but especially talking to God and saying, I need help. I need hope, God. And you know what God says? I freely forgive you. Come on back. You can be here. We expect punishment, but God will have mercy. We think we're in trouble, right? And so sometimes we talk about hell and those things. Yes, there is hell. Yes, people who do not turn back to God. Yes, they will have to live forever in hell. Yes. But for those who come to God, for those who say, I want to be with you, for those who say, it is your will, not my will, there is not punishment for that. There is only a huge hug from the creator of the world who says, I'll protect you, I'll be with you, I'll help you. As he goes on in Isaiah 55, in verses 8 and 9, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That when you thought I would punish, I was going, no, I'm not going to punish. 
There's a story I've told several of you, and I'm not going to go into all the details, but I remember the first time I ever tried to spend the night at someone's house when I was a kid. I was probably, well, I know I was in first grade. I remember it very distinctly, and it was out on a ranch, and, and, and <clears throat> I went to bed about 10 o'clock, and my parents were older and didn't like to put me to bed because it was too much work, I think. I don't know, but I would stay up until 10. These kids on the ranch went to bed at 7.30 at night. Wow. We had fun all day, but then at 7.30, they went to bed. I remember it was two brothers in the one room and me, and, and they're asleep, I mean, almost immediately, and I'm wide awake, and I remember getting up and telling the mom, saying, I don't feel well, and she gave me baby aspirins. I went back to bed. I'm up again. It's the scariest night of my life. Finally, I get up, and I just, I'm crying, and I said, you know, I, am, I, I need to go home. And I remember the dad driving me into town, and I'm thinking I am in the biggest trouble of my life. I mean, my mother and dad are going to let me have it. What I remember is as I walked in, the news was on. It was actually the time I usually went to bed, but it had been, boy, a rough two and a half hours. <laughs> and I remember my mom hugging me and saying, go run into bed. And I said, am I not in trouble? No, you're not in trouble. Just go to bed. And I remember it was one of the greatest nights of my life because I thought punishment was coming down from on high. And there wasn't punishment. There was just a hug. You know what it's like when God says that to us? Yes, you have, in their case, you've done wrong but I love you, I want you, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to take care of you. God will bless us. He'll bless us. And do you know who owns all the blessings in the world? God. Do you know who has all the love? God. Do you know who has all the hope? God. God has all those things. And God shares those with us. So the passage goes on in Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven... And do not return without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat. Oh, my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. You see what God says? Just like the, the precipitation that comes, just like the snow and just like the rain, it's going to do what it's supposed to do. That God will give us what we really need. When I was, I'm telling too many little boy stories, but when I was a little boy and played baseball in Little League and my team was the Astros of all things, it was a sign, right, of where we would end up. And so I remember those evenings whenever it would start raining. I would have a game at 7 o'clock, and at 6 o'clock it would start raining. And I mean, it would pour, and I would be so upset. And I would put my uniform on, I would have my glove on, I had my own bat, and I would say, please take me to the field. They, my parents would say, there, there will be no game tonight, please. And they would drive me to the field, and we would be the only car there in the rain, and the whole infield would have three or four inches of water in it. But I would be, oh, I want to play. I want to be there. But you know what was more important in that dry land that I grew up in in the panhandle? Was that those farmers got the rain 
that they needed for the wheat that year. That there was water for the cattle. That's what was important. But all I could see was my, my baseball game was rained out. That's all I could imagine. And how many times are we that way, right? All I can see is my little world. And I can't see a bigger world, and maybe one that is so cosmic and goes from, not just from my decade, but maybe goes for centuries and things that I can't even imagine or understand and God is involved in. But God is going to give me what I really need. You see, we will eventually be thankful because what God gives us is nutritious. There are things that we don't like to eat, but we need to eat, right? I remember one day in this past week, last week, when we were in New Mexico, and, and, and if somebody said, well, what did you do? What I would have said is, nothing. No, really, well, what did you do? No, I'm telling you, nothing. We sat there, we looked out the window at the mountains, which were snow-capped, and then we had lunch, and then we had a snack, and then we had another snack, and then we had another snack, and then it was time for supper. You know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you have been doing that. And do you know what happens? None of that is good. I mean, it's good maybe for the moment, right? But none of that, of what I was eating, can sustain me. None of it. It can buy me new clothes, but it cannot sustain me. What God gives us is nutritious. And if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you know, all you need to do is eat more green beans, all you need is some more broccoli in your life, you'll be fine, but I don't want that. Well, that's what you need. I don't want that. That's what you need. Your iron counts low. You can do it this way, but I don't want it. You can do it. What God gives me spiritually is always nutritious, even if I don't like it. Sometimes he's working on my personality. Sometimes he's working on my moods. Sometimes he's working on things I don't want God to work on because I'm pretty happy being the way I am. And he says, but you are not being the way you need to be. But what God provides is nutritious. The benefits are amazing. I think about the way God put it in Isaiah chapter 55 in this same chapter, in verses 12 through 13, speaking through Isaiah. He says to the people, you will indeed go out with joy and you will be peacefully guided. The mountains and the hills will break into singing before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, a cypress will come up. Instead of a briar, a myrtle will come up. And this will stand as a monument for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be destroyed. I love the way the scripture puts this. You will go out with joy and be peacefully guided. I am sick and tired of war. I am sick and tired of hearing about war. And I understand that there are times we have to hear about it. I understand that. I'm not saying I can just close my mind to it. But I'm tired of it. Do you hear who God is? God is the one who guides with peace and joy. And while the world may be at war around me, inside and what's on the other side of this life is peace and joy. 
He is the one who will guide me to that place. I love this passage. All these different things, the, the, the trees clapping their hands for us. You know, that idea of someone clapping for you can make you feel kind of conspicuous sometimes, right? If anyone's ever clapped for you. <clears throat> Other schools probably do this too, but I remember when Annabeth, was, our oldest daughter, was getting ready to go to Oklahoma Christian, and we went to orientation, and we're in this big cafeteria room, and they're telling us what they'll need to take for school and how their classes will go and all those different things. And when the meeting was finally over, and then they said, you need to go to this building to, to get your ID and this building to do this, I remember walking out, and down that hallway were dozens and dozens of, of staff and faculty all lined up in the hallway clapping for us and our daughter. Not just us, but every freshman who was at that orientation. And they were saying, thank you. Thank you for coming to our school. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you. Thank you for sending your child. Thank you. I remember how overwhelming that moment was. I mean, because this is our first kid going to college and all that, what it meant, but how overwhelming it was that they clap, clapped like that. I mean, how silly would that be? I mean, they could have clapped for anything, but they're clapping for us. And God, through his creation, is clapping for us because he loves us and because he wants us. Some of us, though, we go, you know what, I, I would follow God, but there are still some things I need to understand. And until I figure out this thing about the creation and how that all happened, I'm not going to follow him. Until I figure out how a person can come back from the dead, I'm, I'm not going to follow him. Until I can figure... We say those kind of things, don't we, sometimes? Or you know people that do. We will never understand it all because we're not God. We will never figure it all out. And you may decide that you have figured it all out, but who can say you're right or wrong, right? Because we don't know. Follow anyway. Follow God anyway, even when we don't understand. Keep following. Understand that, follow, that we follow now, and we grow in understanding along the way. As we go we will figure more things out. And one thing I realize as I go and I grow in faith and I grow in love is that there are more and more things that I don't care about. The things that used to be questions to me, I don't care. Used to, I'd say, boy, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Paul this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Peter this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask, I don't care. I just want to be with God. I just want to be where the presence of God is. Follow now and grow in understanding along the way. Understand that all of nature is rejoicing when we go with God. All of nature. The trees, these oak trees out here, I don't know how they do it, how, how God is saying all that symbolically, I guess. But what he's saying is everything, all of me, is rejoicing that you want to follow me. All of the earth is rejoicing that you want me. So here's my question for us today. How will I end 2023? Will I end it with God 
or apart from God. You see, next week we'll think a lot about the future and how we live in 2024. But what am I going to do with 2023? I've still got hours here. And I've got to think about how's this going to end. Because it can end with God clapping for us. And it can end with us still being unrepentant for the way we've been the rest of the year and the way we were the year before and so on and so on. But it can end with us, with God, cheering us on. And so you say, what do you, what do you want us to do with this? Well, for those of us who are Christians, for those of us who are followers, what I pray is you will become deeper in your faith in God than you've been in the past. I pray that you will look at God in a different way than you have looked at Him. For some of us, instead of just seeing God as a judge, that we will realize that God is also a Father that loves us, and not a Father that is wanting to beat us, but a Father that wants to love us and, and give us blessings. And for those of us who maybe don't understand that there is also a serious side of God, that maybe we need to contemplate the seriousness of God. And then for others of us who have not decided to follow, you know what will make this the best year ever? And you're saying, I've had a terrible year. Do you know what would make this the best year ever? Is if you gave your life to God today. Today. To be baptized into Jesus. Where He'll take away all your sins. And He will give you that spirit that Gabriel talked about. God with us. You'll be baptized into Christ, immersed into Him. Come up out of the water with your sins forgiven and the gift of the Holy Spirit in you, that God helping you. And that will make it the greatest year of all time, no matter what you've seen in the past. This morning, let's end 2023 in the most wonderful of ways. Come as we stand and sing.